You are now listening to Lady Denim. Kick back and enjoy the ride. While the 80s were classed as the birth of hip-hop, the 90s is where hip-hop found its footing. Seeing the rise of lyrically gifted, impactful, rhythmically in souls who would go on to jot their names down the book of eternal wordplay legacy. One such artist who would leave his mark in rap and hip-hop history is Tupac Shakur. And even in death, the conscious rapper would still influence many through his music and remnants of interviews. However, darling, this handsome, multi-talented, revolutionary rap artist isn't the subject of today's forgotten faces. The man behind his name is barely known, unless you're a history junkie. <laughs> Today, we will get very acquainted with this revolutionary forgotten face, Tupac Amaru II, the man behind Tupac Shakur's name. From 1534 into the 1820s, the Spanish conquistadores would taint Peru's soil with the blood of its indigenous inhabitants, raping, pillaging, and enslaving native empires under the guise of Christianity. Our Forgotten Face was born during this time on March 19th, 1738 in Surimana, Peru. Although remembered as Tupac Amaru II, his birth name was Jose Javier Condorcanqui. He was a mestizo, in other words, sugar, a person of mixed European and indigenous ancestry who was said to have been a direct descendant of the last Inca emperor, Tupac Amaru. Because of this, he would later claim that he was the reincarnation of his descendant, resulting in him renaming himself. Well, honey, sounds like our forgotten face had a bit of an ego. But he seems to be bounded by bloodline even though there isn't definitive proof. Hmm. I'll let him slide this time. <laughs> but I digress. Growing up, he was exposed to the ruthless exploitation and humiliation of his people, witnessing his community being restrained to a life of hard labor and poverty. Indigenous laborers worked endlessly from sun up to sundown, drenched in sweat mining for gold and silver in the vast and mineral-rich Andes Mountains, and where sadly eight million would perish. The young Amaru II's destiny would take shape, being witness to such atrocities especially after losing both of his parents by the age of 12. 
His aunt and uncle would then take him in, raising him as a noble. And when he turned 16 years old, Amaro II began his education at the Jesuit Church of San Francisco de Borja, soon earning several titles from the Spanish vice royalty. After marrying the love of his life, Micaela Bastidas, at the age of 22, he succeeded his father as Curaca and inherited the right to have dominion over Tungasuka and Pampamarca from his older brother. He thus became the leader of many Quechua communities. He also turned into a regional muleteer after inheriting 350 mules that belonged to his father's estate. Well, ladies and gentlemen, our forgotten fish definitely had it going on, huh? <laughs> Ooh, but let's keep going. I don't want you to fall asleep on me, sugar. <laughs> Although a mestizo being granted the title of Marquisate of Oropesa, Amaru II held limited political influence on their Spanish government. The sufferings of his people kept him up night after night. Surely, something had to be done. His inspiration sparked by heroic accounts of his native ancestors and strong disdain for the relentless exploitation, abuse, and increased taxation imposed on his people drove him to demand an end to the commercial monopoly that has wrapped tightly around the mestizos and indigenous people's throats. Oh, honey, talk about a mouthful. Oof, but I digress. After his pleas fell on deaf ears, Amaru II realized change would only come by forcing his hand through rebellion and prying open the shackles that kept his people down for so long. And so he would devise a plan that came into fruition November 4, 1780, after a banquet he attended with the Spanish corregidor Antonio de Arriaga, who, by the way, darling, threatened Amaro II's life after he refused to carry out his responsibilities due to the mistreatment of his people. Completely wasted from the devil's juice, Ariaga stumbled off into the night on his way home, but like a jaguar stalking its prey, Amaro II followed him outside where several of his supporters patiently waited pouncing on the drunken idiot and kidnapping him. The indigenous rebels then forced him to write letters to the capital, arranging to send arms, equipment, and money. And honey, falling for the ruse, they came and were surrounded by 4,000 natives alongside Tupac Amaru II. Imagine hearing their war cries, oof. Talk about surround sound. <laughs> Claiming that he had acted under direct orders from the Spanish crown, the revolutionary gave Governor Arriaga's slave, Antonio Olitas, the opportunity to slay his master. However, Sugar, the initial attempt to hang him failed and he escaped. Mm. But then Arriaga was captured again and hanged successfully, 
along with the slaughter of the captured Spaniards. This action marked the beginning of the rebellion. Nine days later, Amaru II and his army now of 6,000 after 2,000 more natives joined, marched towards Cusco. On November 18, 1780, Colonial Cusco sent out 1,300 soldiers to put down the rebellion. 578 Hispanics and 722 indigenous loyalists made up the congregation of soldiers. And honey, when the two forces met in Sangara, the rebels would win a decisive victory, seizing the weapons and supplies. But without orders from Amaru II authorizing them to do so, his indigenous rebels viciously slaughtered all 578 Spanish soldiers. This would unfortunately sever ties with all potential support by the Spanish-descended Peruvian-born Creoles, removing any idea of independence from Spain in their minds. They rallied behind the Spanish vice-royalty after that. However, Sugar, word of this rebellion spread like wildfire, and an estimated 30,000 from Cusco and the surrounding area joined the rebellion. Talk about a win is a win. <laughs> but honey, this victory would be short-lived, having gained momentum like waves during a storm. Tupac Amaro II finally laid siege to the capital of province, Cusco. The rebel army would be greeted with strong resistance by the royalists. Reinforcements were sent to Cusco from Lima, and like termites and ants savagely tearing into each other, skirmishes broke out throughout the surrounding region for the next two days. The rebels were forced to retreat to the south where they regrouped and plotted where to strike next. Soon after, the Spanish colonial government declared amnesty for any rebels who laid down their arms. Two trusted officers would take the bait, Colonel Ventura Landaeta and Captain Francisco Cruz sold out, betraying Amaru II and the rebel army. And honey, because of their actions, in May 1781, Amaru II, his ride-or-die wife, Micaela Bastidas, two of their children, friends, and relatives were captured. They were then taken to Cusco's Plaza de Armas to be executed. One by one, each were tortured and hung publicly. The Spanish forced Amaru II to suffer watching the barbaric execution of his wife, eldest son, and brother-in-law. Unfortunately, his wife's neck was too thin to be hanged, so after being cut down, she was kicked to death. But honey, his execution was to be worse. Subjected to agonizing torture, his tongue was then cut out of his mouth. Oh, but the barbarity doesn't end there. Ladies and gentlemen, 
Amaru II's arms and legs were strapped to four horses with thick rope. The burly horses then galloped away in opposite directions, stretching his already beaten body out. However, to the disappointment of the twisted sadist, his limbs were not ripped from his body. Hmm. So they killed him by decapitating his head. Before he met his grimly demise, Tupac Amaru II's final words were, Aquí no hay sinos dos culpables. Tú por oprimir a mi pueblo, y yo por querer liberarlo. In other words, sugar, here there are but two who are guilty. You for oppressing my people, and I for wanting to liberate them. Whew, now, Sugar, if that wasn't one of the most plucky, high-toned quotes of all time, <laughs> send me packing to Timbuktu. <laughs> but I digress. Natives in the surrounding area continue to revolt in his honor, but gruesomely, Amaru II's body parts were strewn across the lands loyal to him, as a warning to the natives. And just like that, the rebellion ended. However, despite the Spanish trying to rid Tupac Amaru II's existence in history, Peru would never forget him. His story lives on through generations of unbreakable souls inspiring many to never give up their freedoms and to fight back. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that's it for this Forgotten Faces. If you are listening on YouTube or Rumble and you enjoyed this episode, let me know down below in the comments section. Also, did any of you ever hear about Tupac Amaru II? What are your thoughts on this forgotten face? I would love to read your responses. And on that note, thank you for listening. You can follow my Insta at the Lady Adenum Podcast. You can follow my main Insta and Twitter at Adenum Um. Be sure to like and follow my Facebook page at the Lady Adenum Podcast. Mm -hmm. Until next time, darling.